And so right on the heels of that is where Anna enters the scene. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 36, it says, Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So here she is now, an elderly woman. She's a prophetess, and she has this revelation. She's in the temple when Mary and Joseph have Jesus there in the temple, and she has this revelation of who Jesus is. And she begins preaching the good news of redemption in Jesus to those who were there, and she goes out and begins sharing that good news with all those in Jerusalem. So this is a pretty amazing woman. She's elderly at this point, and God gives her this revelation, and she's full of life, and she begins telling people about Jesus. How awesome is that? I want to be like that in my older years. Any of you? But let's look for a moment at her early years. Let's put ourselves in her shoes, because she would have been married at a young age. That was customary in that day. And she was only married for seven years, and then her husband died. So I would think it's pretty safe to say that she was widowed in her 20s, possibly even her very early 20s. Everything she imagined for her future was suddenly gone. I mean, think about it. Put yourself in her shoes. The vision for her future was just pulled out from underneath her. How she thought her life was going to go, who she thought she, she was going to spend her life and her future with was now gone. Her dreams died. Her heart must have been devastated. Her heart had to have been breaking, right? When she was human, just like you and me. She'd experienced the same feelings, the same emotions that any of us would feel if we were in her place. Confusion about now what? Now what is the future going to look like? Heartbreak, pain. Anybody here ever had a dream die? Anybody ever had a little bit of heartache or pain or confusion about your future? or felt like your plans for your future had been intercepted or diverted? Ever felt like what you had in store, or what you thought was coming for your future was pulled out from underneath you? Anybody ever had some disappointments? Yeah, we all have. And very often in times of devastation, in times of heartbreak, in times of disappointment, in times when it seems like possibly our dreams have died, people very often lose hope, lose faith, 
question God, turn from God, take their lives into their own hands, and sometimes make some rather poor choices, turning to wrong people, even sometimes wrong things to help alleviate the pain. And sadly, when God is eliminated from the picture, when he's eliminated from our decisions, our choices, we end up setting our life on a course that sabotages the future that God still has ahead for us. It may be different than what we thought. It may look different than what we had in mind, but it doesn't change the fact that God still has an amazing future ahead for each and every one of us, whether we can see it or not. And we have to be so careful because one poor choice can end up leading to another, to another, to another. And unless we allow ourselves to step back and surrender to God and allow him to come and take charge, take control of our lives again, we will set our course for a future that's filled with anger, with bitterness, with resentment, with unfulfillment, and definitely lacking in joy. And Anna, she could have so easily ended her life in that way. She could have so easily been that woman in her older age, full of anger and resentment and bitterness and lacking joy because of the hurt that she experienced as a young woman. However, scripture paints a very different picture of her life in her older age. I mean, think about it. She, she, here she is, she was a widow for 84 years. Does anyone think that's a long time? Yeah. <laughs> but it says that she was a widow for 84 years who served God who worshiped God, who spoke of him to everyone around her. Bible commentaries describe her as a woman whose countenance radiated the joy and the peace of God. She's said to have exemplified what Proverbs 16.31 says, the silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. And I am confident that her silver-haired head was in the way of righteousness. I mean, she is a radiant, older woman. So how did this young woman who experienced such heartache, such devastation, such loss and immense disappointment and, and questioning about her future. How did she end up being this incredibly admirable older woman whose life marked the pages of our Bible and gives us an amazing example of how to live today? You know, it doesn't just happen by accident. It's not just a coincidence that she started out going through a difficult time and she ended up this amazing woman who was flourishing in her older days. How did she get there? She made some very conscious decisions. It doesn't just happen by accident. She made some very intentional choices. Choices that definitely took courage because it would have been easier to sit and wallow in the pain. 
Sometimes, anybody experienced, it's just kind of easy to sit and wallow in the pain. It's easier, and sometimes it just kind of feels good to our flesh to feel sorry for ourselves. <clears throat> if we're honest, in these human bodies, but our hurt and our pain will only paralyze us and prevent us to, from walking into the future that God has for us. And no matter what has happened in our past, no matter what disappointments we've had, no matter what, God always has a great future ahead for each and every one of us. You hear it around here all the time. He has better plans for us than we have for ourselves. He has great plans for each and every one of us. And no matter what things look like, no matter how bad things have been or how bad things can get, he's always got a great future ahead for each and every one of us. So what were the courageous choices that Anna made that led her from heartbreak to a flourishing life? I want us today just to look at two very simple choices that she made, but choices that took courage because they meant getting up out of the hurt, getting up out of the place of pain. Sometimes it takes courage to move past pain. Anybody ever notice that? It does, but she did it. So let's look at her courageous choices. First of all, first thing she did, she submitted her life to God and his house. She submitted her life to God and his house. She allowed God to become her husband. You know, in Isaiah 54, in verse 5, it says, For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. He wants to be our husband. And that word husband in that verse, it literally means to be submitted to, to come under his rule and his lordship, his authority in our lives. Let him take control of our lives. And Anna definitely learned how to let God become her husband. She found herself alone, a place where she could have really just wallowed in her loneliness. But instead, she began to include him in everything as she surrendered her life to him. She had to have talked to him about everything. She dwelt with him. She had a life of prayer. That's talking to God. She consulted him about everything. She talked with him about everything. She submitted her life under his control. And you know, for all of us, every one of us, no matter where we're at in life, no matter what season, what stage of life, we can learn from Anna's choices. We can apply Anna's choices to our lives today so that we can be that woman who's flourishing in our older years. And we can make this choice today to allow God to be our husband. Every one of us, whether we're single or married, we need to learn to allow God to be our husband. Many times I've talked with single woman, women about this. And Sometimes they think, well, that just sounds weird. God can't be my husband. What do you mean God be my husband? 
means growing deeper in relationship with him, where we talk to him about everything, where he's our best friend, where we let him be involved in every area of our lives. And then the single women usually say, but I just want someone to go to the movie with and to snuggle on the couch with. <laughs> I get it. I understand. I was single. <laughs> but I've also got to tell you, I understand what it is to go deeper in relationship with God and to be that single woman where he's your everything, where you talk to him about everything. I can remember paying the bills, talking to God about it, cleaning the house, talking to God, talking to him about everything, making him my best friend, going to him with everything. And you know what happens? He fills all the empty places in our life. It's amazing what will happen. But you know, even as married women, we need to learn to recognize God as our ultimate husband. You know, our husbands, our earthly husbands, are earthly. They are human. They are flesh and blood. And that means that they will have the ability to disappoint us because they're human, not because they're bad, no matter how wonderful they are, no matter how in love with them we are. They have the ability to disappoint us because they're human. But God will never, ever disappoint us. We can come to him with everything. And if we learn to go to him first, recognizing him as our ultimate husband, wow, it'll make a difference in our marriages. I mean, sometimes we run to our husbands in a frantic, a frenzy, and panic. I'm sure none of you have ever done that. <laughs> Crying, hysterical, ah, you won't believe it, or how could you do that, or whatever that might, might be going on that day that might just come out of our mouths, pouring out at them rapidly. <laughs> but if we learn to go to God first, and pour it all out to him, wow, it'll make a difference in our marriages. It definitely will change the tone in our house. We've got to learn, even as married women, God is ultimately our husband. We can trust him with everything. He will never, ever let us down. He will never disappoint us. And when we start talking to him first about everything, getting him involved with everything, it will change us. It will change our marriages. It will change our homes. And you know, when God is our husband, that means that we'll dwell with him. We'll dwell with him in his house. Healthy marriages see a husband and wife dwelling together, right? Now there are seasons and situations where husbands and wives need to be apart for certain things. I know here we have lots of military families in our church, and there are seasons, there are times when there's a specific reason for being apart. Maybe a husband is deployed or on a work assignment or things like that. Those things do happen. But at some point, we need to come back together in the same house if we're married, right? Only about 10 of you live in the same house with your husband. 
You see, we're not really dwelling with God if we're not dwelling in his house. We've got to learn to submit ourselves not just to God, but to his house. The two are inseparable. I love these verses from Psalm 92. Psalm 92, and starting in verse 13, it says, Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Anna knew the value of God's house. She dwelt in the temple day and night. That's what the verses in Luke 2 told us. Now, Bible scholars and commentaries differ on whether that meant that she actually lived in the temple or if she was just there all the time whenever the doors were open. Since it says that she arrived after Simeon had had his encounter with the infant Jesus, and since it says that she went out telling everyone in Jerusalem, I tend to think that she was just there on every opportunity and every occasion she could be. And that's how we should be. She found comfort as a young, heartbroken woman. She found healing. She found strength. She found connection. She found purpose. She saw the gifts of God develop in her life. And she found protection and covering in the house of God. I can definitely relate with this aspect of Anna's life. Because at a young age, I found myself single, hurting, heartbroken, but I learned to recognize that God wanted to be my husband. And as I grew deeper in relationship with him, I threw myself into his house. And like Anna, I found comfort. I found healing. I found restoration. I found wisdom. I found strength. I found connection. I found purpose. I found my husband. <laughs> I found future. <laughs> but one of the most valuable things that I found in that season was protection and covering. And I really learned how incredibly powerful that can be. So many women resist covering. So many re women even resent having a covering but we need to recognize the value that is there. You see, when we submit to God and to his house, when we let him have control of our lives, and we align ourselves with his house and the vision of his house, the local church where he has called us to, and then when we throw ourselves into being part of that vision, part of seeing that vision come about, where we're not just receiving, but we're giving out, where we're not just sitting on the sidelines, but we're active participants. You know what the result is? The result is a life that is intertwined and connected with others who care about us, others who look out for us, others who become that community with us, who encourage us and strengthen us. 
we begin to develop the gifts that God's put in us as we step out in those things. And then as we step out in our gifts, those gifts then make more room and there's new opportunities and new open doors to step out in those giftings even more so. We see them develop even more so. There's more opportunities to be used by God, opportunities for ministry. We find purpose. We find protection because that connection that we have becomes a protection for us. It becomes like a net over us that guards us and keeps us right on track, going in the direction God wants us to go. And then we find our lives flourishing, so fulfilled, beyond what we ever dreamed possible. And we set ourselves on track to even in our older days live a life that is fresh and flourishing. You see, ladies, when we submit, when we bring our lives under, when we bring our vision, our dreams, our even broken dreams under the vision of God's house, we are automatically covered. When we come under it's already there. It's a protection that's there. It's guardrails that keeps us going forward into the life God created us to live. Anna brought her life, her broken dreams, her future, and submitted it all to God and his house. And she began living a life where she found incredible fulfillment. She found purpose. She saw God developing gifts within her. She saw herself stepping out in those gifts. It says that she was a prophetess. God used her to bring his word to others. She saw her. She saw him work in and through her life. If you want to walk into all that God has for you, if you want to experience the fullness of the life that he created you to live, then make the courageous decision to submit every area of your life to God and his house. Get planted in God's house. And so often I talk with people and they say, well, I'm, I'm planted in the house. I mean, like, I serve in that, I, what is, that one area, you know, I do that like once a month. And, um, you know, I come, I, when we're in town, I come. And when we're planted, our roots go down deep. There's an exchange. We're not just there to receive. We're there to give out. We're there to be a part, an active part of what God is doing. Ladies, I believe we should be in church whenever the doors are open. And you're going to sit there and think, well, you're one of the pastors, so of course you're going to say that. You know what? I'm not telling you from even a pastor's perspective on this moment. I'm telling you from a young girl who saw her life turned around by being in church every time the doors were open by being there, letting God do a healing, restoring work in my life. 
and then jumping in to be part of what he was doing, bringing my dreams, my vision, the things in my heart under the vision of the local church, helping bring that about, and then seeing God do incredible things in my life. Ladies, there is such incredible power in being planted in the local church. It is not nice words. It is not a slogan. It is not something pastors try to get you to do because you need to do. It is powerful, and it is how God designed his church to be because his church is people. And when we all come together and bring our gifts and the vision, the things he's put in our hearts, the dreams, we bring that under to build his house, he can reach way more people than we could ever reach on our own. He uses us together to accomplish his, his purposes and his plans on this earth. So we need to be in church when the doors are open. We need to come regularly. And we need to come not just as a consumer. Well, what are they going to give me today? Well, I hope they feed me something good today because I'm dragging and I need a good shot in the arm today. Well, what door can I park by to be closest so I can zip in and zip out afterwards because i got a busy day? Ladies, we shouldn't be coming as consumers to get. We should be coming to give. We should be coming early, praying in the car on the way here. God, use me today. How can I help today? How can I be a blessing? How can I serve today? Who can I encourage today? I mean, think about it. What if you had a little discussion with your family in the car on the way to church, and you said, okay, guys, let's, every one of us, kids, Teenagers, adults, every one of us, let's try to encourage as many people as we can today. And then when we get back in the car after church today, let's share the stories of who we encourage today. Get your children involved in pouring out to others, to being a blessing to others. Wow, how would that change our perspective? How would that change what we actually receive? Because when we let God pour through us, we end up so much more filled up. Have you ever noticed that? We end up being the ones who are blessed. We should be the ones coming early and lingering after, encouraging, connecting, talking with others, sharing with them, finding a place to serve and to use the gifts that God's put in us. We should be the ones excited, anxious to join a connect group, which new groups are coming very soon. <laughs> But we should be willing to be part of a connect group. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, well, I have enough friends. I don't really need to be in a connect group. Wow, you've got so much in you that others need. We've got to change our perspective. It's not just about us and what can I get and, and what are my needs. No, what are the needs of the others around us? What are the gifts that God's put in us that he wants to use to be a blessing to others? We're together, our lives intertwine and connect, and we become the church that he created us to be. What are you passionate about? I'm a little passionate about this, can you tell? <laughs> what are you passionate about? Bring your passions into the house of God to help build his house. And ladies, he will build your life. 
He will cause dreams in your heart to be fulfilled, to blossom, to flourish in ways you never dreamed possible. You will set your life on a course that will cause you to flourish all the days of your life, even in your older age, just as Anna did. Amen? Second courageous choice that Anna made is that she developed a lifestyle of consistent devotion to God. It says in the verses we read there in Luke 2 that she served God with fasting and prayer night and day. Wow. We can look at that and think, wow, what a disciplined life she had. You know what? It's far more than discipline because discipline for the sake of discipline is just something that we do in our own human strength that eventually might dwindle off. But to me, it is obvious that she chose to let God do an inward work in her life where she brought her heartache, her broken dreams to God in exchange for healing, for restoration, for wholeness, And the work that he did internally prompted her outward choices and lifestyle. I mean, she was human. So I don't think that immediately after her husband died, when her heart was broken, I don't think she jumped up and said, I'm going to live a life of prayer and fasting. Pretty unlikely. She was human, like us. I believe there was a process there where she brought her life to God, let him do an internal work that prompted the choices. She allowed him to work in her life. And as she saw him bring healing, as she saw him bring wholeness and restoration and fulfillment, the devotion to God that comes in that exchange prompted Choices prompted decisions in her daily life, brought about discipline that comes from devotion to God. The thing about this that really strikes me about Anna's life is to me, this decision says to me that she was the real deal godly woman. She wasn't fake. She wasn't phony. She was the same in and out of the temple. She was the same when she was serving God and there in the temple and the same when she was outside the temple. She had a lifestyle of prayer and fasting. It was not something that she just did once a week or when she was there in the temple. This was her lifestyle, a consistent lifestyle of devotion. You know, when we submit ourselves to God and to his house, we end up undergoing an inward transformation that will eventually produce this lifestyle of devotion that produces this consistency, this wholeness in our relationship with God. And rather than having a church life and an outside life, we have a whole Life complete, consistent, inside and out. God didn't create us to be one way at church and another way outside of church. He wants us to be women that have wholeness 
same inside, outside. To be consistent, to be the real deal, godly women like Anna. So would you say that your life shows that kind of wholeness and consistency in devotion to God? What would others outside church say about your life? Would your neighbors say the same things about you as those that sit with you here at Chick Connection? Would your coworkers say the same things about you as those who know you here in church? Would your family say the same things about you as those who know you in church? Would your children say the same things? Would they say you act the same way, you talk the same way? Many of you may have heard my husband share the story of when he was a young youth pastor. He was trying to talk to the students about you know, how, to, how we live differently as Christians. We don't live as the world lives. And so he asked them to tell him some of the differences of how their parents live versus how their, the friends in their neighborhood, how their parents live. And they just sat there. And they said, no different. He thought, well, surely they misunderstand the question. So he rephrased it and asked it three or four times until they finally just said, there is no difference in how our parents live and how all the, the kids on our street and their parents live. Wow. Sometimes I think it's good for us just to evaluate how we're living. Is it a wholeness? Of life? Is there consistency with how we're living at home, out and about around the community, doing our errands on the freeway, in the grocery line that's taking forever? <laughs> how are we living? Is it a consistent life of devotion to God? God desires that from us that wholeness, that same inside and out, real deal Christianity. So how do we do that? I think sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming because we can think, okay, I've got I've to be perfect. I've got to just always be godly everywhere I go. And, and it, we can get a little overwhelmed by that sometimes. You know what? One day at a time, one moment at a time, we choose to live for God. That's how we do it. Don't think down the road. Don't overwhelm yourself, because as women, we are good at doing that sometimes. Just think about today. Think about this moment. I know it's an old cliche. What would Jesus do in this moment? And really ask ourselves and think in that way. Think as he would think. You know what? One thing that really helps us is to stay in the word. I believe Anna stayed in the word because she knew those Old Testament prophecies. When she saw Jesus in the temple, she knew exactly who he was because she had immersed herself in those Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. When we keep ourselves in the word, it keeps us 
on track because it's a mirror that shows us areas in our life that are inconsistent with God's nature. So we need to stay in the Word. We need to choose in each moment to live according to the Spirit rather than according to the flesh. In Romans 8, it tells us that those who live according to the flesh think on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit think on things according to the Spirit. So what are the things according to the Spirit? I believe it tells us perfectly in Philippians 4, 8 and 9, and I love how it reads in the Message Bible. It says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. I believe Anna thought that way because she did not live in her past. She lived in what God was doing. She was used by him. She walked into the future that he had for her. And we can't walk into the future that God has for us if we're dwelling on the hurt and the pain of the past. But when we choose to shift our thinking and focus on what God focuses on, it carries us into our future. And ladies, if we start to shift our thinking, if we stay in the word, if we just choose in each moment to be that real deal godly woman, then one moment turns into another moment, turns into a day, a week, a month, a year, and we walk into the life God has for us. Anna made two simple decisions, to submit her life to God and his house, and she decided to live a lifestyle of consistency, consistent devotion to God. And what did it produce in her life? Those two simple decisions caused her to really know God, to know him in deep relationship. Her hope was secure in him. She was used by him. She was a prophetess. She brought the word of God to others. She immediately recognized the infant Jesus as the Messiah. She was the first woman to truly understand who he was and to proclaim him to others. She was known as the first woman missionary. She walked out the gifts and callings and purposes that God had for her life. She found fulfillment and she flourished even in her old age. Her life radiated the joy and the peace of God and she led others to recognize him as the redeemer. She went from a hurting young woman to a woman whose life flourished all the days of her life, even in her older age. And if we want that kind of life, we can make some pretty simple choices that will set us on course to walk that out just like Anna did. Amen? I want to pray for you this morning. Why don't you just bow your heads right where you're at, and maybe today, even as we've just shared these simple truths from Anna's life, Maybe the Spirit of God has just been nudging on your heart areas where maybe you need to submit even more to him or his house. 
or maybe where there needs to be more consistency in your life. I think all of us, whatever stage of life we're at, wherever we're at, no matter how long we've been walking with him, we can grow and go deeper in him. And so just right now, within your own heart, just ask God to help you do the things that you need to do personally to set your life on course for a life that flourishes all the days of your life. Father, right now, God, I just pray for every one of us here in this place, God, that's the desire of our heart, that we would live fresh and flourishing lives, walking out your purposes for our life every day, even in our old age, God. That we'd be women that would fulfill your purposes and your plans on this earth. And so, Father, I just pray that you would just speak to each one of us how we can set our course and stay on course to walk out all that you have for us, God. Thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit as our helper. God, help us each day to be the woman you've created us to be, that woman that helps fulfill your purposes, and that woman who is the real deal Christian, making a difference in the lives of others around us. Thank you, Jesus.